Hello and welcome to the Toddcast, uh, where I'm recording right now. It is the 21st of March, the day after the first day of spring, for whatever that might be worth to you. Um, on my way home, um, and it's been a while since I podcasted or recorded one anyway, um, and figured I'd I'd, I'd fix that. Um, no unifying topic today, per se. We'll see how this goes. Maybe there will end up being one. Uh, you know, random chaos can sometimes do that for you. But, you know, nothing nothing specific in mind as we go into this. Um, I'm going to try and keep this from being just pure stream of consciousness. But, hey, no guarantees. Um, so, I guess we'll start with, it's the, you know, the day after the first day of spring. Um, the, the equinox and so forth. Um, fun piece of, of, of trivia, um, memory from my youth, etc. Um, normally the first day of spring is something that I refer to as egg day. Um, as far as I'm concerned, there are actually two egg days a year. Um, the first day of spring, the first day of fall, the, the equinoxes. And the reason that I call them that is that at one point when I was in grade school, I want to say the fourth grade. I could be wrong, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure it was the fourth grade. Uh, I had a science teacher that was, you know, explaining to us, you know, how, how you know, everything works celestially, uh, you know, the rotation of the earth and the revolution around the sun and so forth. And we we're talking about, you know, solstices and equinoxes and stuff. And one of the things that they did, she did as a, as a fun piece there, uh, was a, not so much an experiment because we knew she knew what was going to happen, but a, a demonstration, if you will, is that, uh, on the solstices and I'll, I'll be honest and say, I don't remember exactly what the science is here. Um, with the way that the earth is and its tilt and so on and so forth, um, you can take an egg, an uncooked normal egg, um, and set it up on end. Um, you know, so that it's, it's pointing upwards as opposed to on its side. Um, I mean, it's not automatic. You, you have to, you know, be gentle and, and set it up on its edge, but it will, it'll stay there. Um, and she did that and it was very, you know, exciting and awe-inspiring, uh, to, uh, to me as a youngster. Uh, you know, and the, you know, the next day she came in and, you know, tried to do it again and it didn't work because it's no longer, you know, the equinox. Something to do with the alignment of the planets and, and, you know, um, there may have been something about tidal forces. Like I said, uh, I don't remember all the science. You, you really shouldn't be coming to this podcast for science. Uh, I'm a big fan of science, but I'm no scientist. Um, but for that reason, I, you know, call it egg day, um, at some point in the past, I had made mention of this to, to, to folks, and they're like, what, what are you talking about? Are you serious? And so, you know, not every year, because oftentimes I forget or just don't think to do it or whatever, but uh, many a year, I've broken out an egg and set it up on its end and be like, ah, egg day, equinoxes, hooray, first day of spring, first day of fall, whatever, um, to the amazement, wonderment, and enjoyment of, of those around me. Um, clearly, I'm recording this the day after, and goodness only knows when this will air. So 
you've missed your window this go around, but maybe it will be, you know, maybe this will hit the internet, uh, you know, in time for the first day of fall and you can try it. Or maybe you can just keep this in your pocket for, you know, the first day of spring, um, you know, in the next year. Um, so there's that. Um, and I don't know that I really have anything else going spring topics wise, truth be told. Um, so we'll move on. Uh, next random topic, um, which is definitely not current events except for me. Uh, yesterday, uh, had some time alone at the house, um, which is, is, is not terribly common. Um, and normally when I get some time, you know, to myself, um, and there's nobody to hang out with and whatever, I'll, you know, sequester myself, you know, on my side of the basement and, you know, paint minis or, or, you know, write a thing or, or, you know, futz around in some way. I'm not really a big sit and watch TV by myself person in general. No judgment to those of you who do, but it's just not normally a thing I, I, I've normally got other things I want to do. Read a book, flip through comic, play a game, whatever. Um, but yesterday it was, it was a long day. Uh, it was a weary day. Um, and I just kind of felt like vegging. So, you know, I got home, went down, uh, to the, the, the TV room and just kind of said, you know, I'm just going to watch a thing. And I didn't really have anything in particular I wanted to watch. Um, you know, it's funny, you know, growing up, you know, there was, there was the, the concept of channel surfing. Um, cause you know, I grew up in an age, you know, when a magical time, um, you know, after we had invented the remote control or clicker as they call it, uh, around our parts. Um, and also after, you know, the advent of cable television, uh, you know, prior to that, you only had a handful of channels and in order to change said channels, you had to, you know, get up off of your, your rump and walk over to the television and turn a knob. Uh, but when I, you know, got into my independent television watching age, uh, you know, we had, we had progressed as a society to where you could change the channels, uh, with minimal effort, uh, through the clicker. And there were plenty of channels to do it with. And so unless you had access to a TV guide, um, and wanted to, you know, research what it is you wanted to do, or if there was a show you knew was coming on, uh, you know, you'd sit down and turn on the TV, see what was on, if it wasn't interesting, hit the next channel, see what was going on, and continue, uh, and it's, you know, called channel surfing. Um, I over-explain this because there may be youth who are not familiar with this concept. Um, nowadays, uh, you know, our media consumption has, has changed rather dramatically in that, um, you know, there are a lot of folks who don't even have cable. Uh, you know, with Netflix and Hulu and HBO On Demand and all the other streaming services, uh, you know, cable is, is kind of having a hard time keeping its stuff together because people just don't need it. Most of the stuff you can get, you can stream somewhere. Um, and also, because it's streaming, it's all kind of on demand. You know, I remember a time when if you wanted to watch, you know, a particular show, you had to wait until Tuesday at 8 p.m., um, 
for that to happen. And if you had something else going on, guess what? You were missing that. Um, you know, we if, if you had a VCR, you could set it up to record it. Uh, you know, that was supplanted by the TiVo and the DVR-ness. But nowadays, stuff just comes straight to streaming. And if you want to sit and watch the, you know, the new season comes out of a thing, you can sit and then 12 hours later have watched the whole season. Which is a beautiful thing, don't get me wrong. But it also means, you know, you, you channel surfing doesn't really happen much, as far as I'm aware. Um, and that's why I'm over-explaining it. Um, but, point being, there's no channels. I don't have cable. There's no channel surfing to be done when you've got Hulu and Netflix, uh, you know, and HBO on demand and that sort of thing. Like, it, 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 there's endlessly scrolling through menus of options, I guess, is the closest that it comes. Um, and so that's what I did. Um, got on to, I want to say it was the HBO thing and was flipping around. I'm like, oh, let's look at the sci-fi movies category because, you know, Abby is not what you would call a giant sci-fi fan. She She's no longer anti-sci-fi as she once was. But generally speaking, that's not really her go-to. And if I'm going to watch a thing by myself, Oftentimes, that's the direction I'll go, because I'm not going to force her to watch something she's not interested in, much in the same way that she doesn't, you know, sit me down and say, Todd, we're going to watch this rom-com, whether you like it or not. She's, you know, respectful and cool that way, uh, and I like to reciprocate. So when I've got some free time, I'm like, oh, let's see what we got going on here. Um, point being um, is that uh, I was going through... And I saw one of the options was Hulk. Um, and to clarify, it is the, you know, the Incredible Hulk movie, you know, the big green muscly Marvel uh, comic dude. Um, and not the Incredible Hulk, which is the one that had um, Ed Norton in it, um, which I have seen previously and enjoyed. Uh, but rather the previous 2003 movie, Hulk, uh, but directed by Ang Lee, which I'd never seen before. Um, as far as the the MCU uh, is concerned, I'm pretty sure I've seen all of the movies at this point, um, and enjoyed them all. Some slightly less than others. Um, looking at you, Iron Man two, uh, but it was still a good movie. I still enjoyed it. Um, but I'd never seen the original Hulk, um, which is not really part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It kind of existed before they started doing that. Uh, and I'm like, well, heck, I got time to kill. I got, you know, this is good as anything. Let's, let's check it out. Um, this is probably old news to anyone who's seen it. Um, and as I'm watching it, I'm, you know, checking it out on uh, some stats on IMDb and looking things up because I was curious, you know, what, when year did this come out? When did the other one come out? When did the MCU start? You know, like, when I'm watching TV nine times out of ten, I'm also futzing around on my phone um, doing something. Um, and in, in that, I saw that, you know, apparently the reviews for that movie were not so great either. Um, especially when you're talking to people who have seen the subsequent Hulk movie and or the rest of the MCU. Um the Ang Lee edition gets, um, I don't know that I would say hate, but it's certainly not getting a lot of love, I guess, is where I would go with that. Um, 
And having seen most of it, I would tend to agree. Um, I did not get to finish the film because Abby came home and I shut it off and went to spend time with my wife. Um, but I did watch a good portion of it. Um, I'm not going to, you know, go into a long dissection of the film. Um, not impressed is, is, is probably where I would land on it at present. I think I've got like another 20, 30 minutes of it to watch, which I will go back and watch just because sake of completion. But I, I not, not, not impressed. Um, you know, the, the Hulk graphics are about what you'd expect from 2003 when it was created. And I make no qualms there because, you know, things get better, things look better. You know, you, you look at some of the, the effects on older movies and some of them are laughable and it was good for the time. I'm not, I'm not complaining on that front. Um, the story was not super great in my opinion. Um, the movement forward of the plot was not really to my liking. And I maybe, I don't know if I have seen another Ang Lee film or not, but it's done in a very stylized, very artsy kind of way with the various shots and cutting to this and, you know, this happened. Like, I, I not, not what I'm looking for in a Marvel movie. And I think it's probably because I'm spoiled by the current, you know, Marvel movies that they're putting out now and the style in which they're done, um, as opposed to this one, which predates, you know, all of that by like five years. Um, and so it's probably not a fair comparison, but, but not, not something I would recommend. Um, yeah. And that, that's, that's probably about all I've got, got going on, on that one at present. Um, rambling about movies, um, and recent ones that I've watched while flying solo at home, um, similar circumstances, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, uh, found myself with some idle time and didn't feel like doing anything actually useful, and so was, you know, surfing about, um, and I saw The Doors listed, the Oliver Stone, uh, I guess you can call it a biopic, uh, for The Doors, um, which kind of came up on the search listings. I'm going to, I'm going to blame Bohemian Rhapsody for being popular and current, uh, for bringing other musical biopics, uh, to the fore in the selection, uh, there in the streaming service. But I'm like, Hmm, I'm a huge fan of the doors. I really enjoy all of their music. I have all of their albums, at least the ones when, you know, while Jim Morrison was alive, I've never actually listened to the one they put out after he'd passed on mental note should try and do that and see, see how that, how that is. But anyway, big fan of the doors have never seen the movie and the movie came out like while I was, I want to say in high school or college when I was really, really into the doors, just never got around to seeing it. I'm like, well, okay, cool. We'll, we'll check this out. Um, some notes. Um, I really enjoy Val Kilmer. Um, I think he's, he's good stuff. Um, I've enjoyed him in Willow. I super enjoyed him in Real Genius. Uh, if you have not seen Real Genius, uh, run, do not walk to wherever it is that you can acquire that and watch that bad boy up. It is some 80s fantastical delightfulness. Uh, montage scenes and everything. It's, it's, it's sublime. Um, 
he does he does a pretty good Jim Morrison as far as I'm aware. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of footage of of old Jim, but from what I've seen and from pictures, he he does pretty good. Um, listening to it, I want to say that he actually did the vocals. He actually did the singing uh, for the parts of the movie where the Doors are are performing. Um, in which case, you know, it's not spot on uh, Jim Morrison, but it's it's respectable. I you know props for for making that effort. Um, side note, um, if, uh, you know, I am out and about in a karaoke situation, uh, and if the libations have been flowing sufficiently for me to be willing to sing in front of people, um, the doors are my go-to. I, I do a pretty okay version. Um, I am driving and sober and like you all as listeners, so I'm not going to start belting into some now to somehow prove that to you, uh, but if by chance we are ever out and about uh, in a karaoke bar type situation, uh, you know, you'll probably be able to convince me to uh, bust out with a, a little, you know, love me two times, um, and I'm told I do a pretty good job. Um, I knew Several years back, I uh, went to a party. Somebody actually had a karaoke machine at home. That's some serious karaoke uh, fandom if you own a karaoke machine. And, like, binders full of CDs with karaoke discs. Uh, they were serious. Uh, but I went to basically a karaoke party at some somebody's house um, and had some beverages um, and felt like, sure, I, I, will, I will do this. Um, and I can't remember if it was one of my good buddies or his wife that, like, had went to the restroom while I was, you know, the song came on and I started singing. Um, and they came back and they're like, I didn't know why somebody put on a regular CD instead of, you know, somebody singing along. And then I rounded the corner and it was you. Damn, that was solid. So not to brag, but you know, one of my friends thinks I did pretty good on it. So I'm going to, you know, ride that for a while. Anywho, back to the movie. Um, the movie was all right. I thought it was done well. Um, it's uh, it's one of those things to where I have come to realize that while I really enjoy uh, the Doors, uh, their music, their you know the songs that they do, the the music that they produce, um, and the audio aesthetic of that, and you know the the lyrics are trippy and weird and and you know '60s fun times whatever. Um, <laughs> Jim Morrison was kind of a dick um, if the movie is to anything to go off of and I guess I should also say that at some point when I was in high school I feel like I, I read at least one biography of, of Jim Morrison I want to say it's no one here gets out alive um which also kind of implies that, you know, Jim was kind of a dick. Um, I mean, I realized that, you know, in the, the, the late 60s, early 70s, whatever, there were certain people who had different opinions uh, in regards to relationships, uh, specifically, you know, monogamy and so forth with free love and, you know, everybody love each other. Sometimes that was taken more literally than others. I get that that's a thing. Um, but 
man, he was kind of a jerk to his 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 lady interest, um, and was just not cool. <laughs> um, um, and the movie really kind of shows you some of that. Um, where, you know, like I said, the movie was fine. You know, I kind of came out of it going, you know, I still enjoy this music, but boy, I am not... Reminds me why I'm not necessarily a fan of him as a person, per se. You know, rest his soul. He's not here to defend himself against my ridiculous podcast, but it is what it is. Um, so that was that was some, some cinematic fun times from, from the old days that I just finally got around to seeing. Oh, uh, what else do we have to talk about? Um, we're, we've talked about uh, the movies for perhaps uh, a bit much now. Um, let's shift topics to uh, go slightly off from where I am. This still falls under the category of things that have been around forever that Old Todd is just now kind of sort of getting hip to. Um, and in this case, we are talking about Iron Maiden, um, the, the classic, you know, hard rock, heavy metal, I don't know what you want to call that genre, um, you know, I imagine when they came out that that was incredibly, you know, badass, and oh my goodness, it's so harsh, and, and whatever, having grown up with death metal, and, and, you know, hardcore industrial and stuff as a thing, Iron Maiden kind of comes across as a little tame, no offense intended, but, you put Slipknot disc in and play Iron Maiden on another machine, uh, there's a palpable difference uh, in the hardcore heaviness uh, between those bands. And that's all I'm trying to point out. Um, But when Iron Maiden, you know, was a thing in the height of their popularity, um, that was a point of my life where I was not really into that kind of thing. Um, you know, that time span sort of bridges the times in my life where I only listen to classical and or only listen to Christian music and or started listening to classic rock. Um, I was never into, you know, um, again, hard rock, heavy metal, whatever it is that you choose to call the following. Um, I was never into Poison or, um, shoot, um, Motley Crue or, uh, Def Leppard, the hair metal stuff was never really my jam. Uh, and I'm not necessarily saying that Iron Maiden was hair metal, but I'm just trying to give some context here. Um... Back in the day when Megadeth and Metallica, um, Anthrax, those guys were out and super popular. Like, when I was in the eighth grade, everybody and their sister had a jean jacket with a giant, you know, back patch on it that was Megadeth or Metallica, and or Iron Maiden was also popular at the time, and that just wasn't a thing I was into at, at that point in time. Um... Later in life, um, as, you know, tastes shift and differ, uh, you know, I, I, I came to enjoy, you know, some of the, the more metal ends of things, um, to a certain degree, uh, 
maybe popular, maybe an unpopular opinion, but Metallica, I thought was pretty good up until the Black Album. Um, I didn't listen to them when those albums were current, um, but pretty much the Black Album came out and that was super popular, and at the time, I thought it was pretty good. It got overplayed, and I got sick of it, but it didn't take away from the music. Um, and that led to some dabbling into some of their older offerings, uh, which I enjoy. Um, their newer stuff I'm not a, fa not a fan of. Um, I kind of turned against them uh, back when Napster was a thing, and they were having just absolute hissy fits about Napster. Uh, I was a big fan of Napster um, and did not care for their assault on that. Um, and also their music started going downhill, in my opinion. Uh, Megadeth I enjoyed. Um, just, you know, what I've heard of it. Like, I didn't own a bunch of Metallica or Megadeth, you know, CDs or whatever. But when it'd become on, I, I would enjoy it. Um... But never really got into Iron Maiden, and it's not that I'd heard them and was like, no, not for me. It's just I never heard it. It's not something that gets a lot of, you know, airplay on the radio. Uh, you know, and when your personal listening choices, when you go out, you know, looking to buy CDs or, you know, borrow them from the library or what have you, when your tastes tend to be, oh, classical, you know, classic, classic rock that I'm familiar with that I'll listen to or, you know, Nine Inch Nails, or, you know, grunge category things, like, you know, Stone Temple Pilots, Alice in Chains, Nirvana and such, uh, or punk music, like, Iron Maiden really doesn't fit into a lot of those categories, so you just don't think of it, so I never got it. Um, again, to kind of come back around to the streaming end of life, uh, you know, I've got Amazon Prime, which gives me Amazon Prime Video. Uh, it also gives me access to, you know, Amazon Music. And they've got, like, radio stations and stuff where you can do, like, you know, Spotify or Pandora style. Hey, play me some music that's roughly this genre and I'll try some stuff out. Um, and some Iron Maiden comes on and I'm like, oh, this is, this is, this is pretty decent. I can get behind this. Um, I'm not going to turn into a giant, you know... Iron Maiden fanatic, uh, but it's pretty good stuff, um, you know, got a, you know, best of from the library and checked it out and been listening to it, uh, it's pretty good, um, again, I'm only, you know, what, 20, 30 years behind most of the other folks in this world, but pretty good stuff, um, recently I was, uh, getting ready for a Journeyman League, uh, tournament, or, you know, uh, league that's coming up for War Machine, and I am playing Signar, which is a War Machine faction, uh, pretty, pretty heavy with War Jacks, uh, you know, the big stompy metal robots, um, and I was casting about for some music to listen to while I was, you know, assembling and painting miniatures, and I thought, you know, it's, it's an army of metal robot dudes, the, the particular theme uh, for my force is heavy metal is the name of the theme. I like, let me play some heavy metal. Um, so I made a playlist that's a bunch of Iron Maiden and Megadeth and put it on shuffle and power painted uh, a bunch of Warjacks. Uh, and it was, it was pretty solid. It was good times. Um, 
So we've got that going for us, um, for whatever that might be worth to you. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's about all I've got on that topic. Um, and you know, I'll be darned if I'm not getting ever closer to my home. Um, and probably need to wrap this thing up, uh, here sooner than later. Um, I guess what I will say at this point is that, um, you know, for those of you who are just now, if you're new listeners, hey, welcome. I should have said that sooner. I apologize. Uh, you know, I'm driving home, rambling. It's scattered, you know, there's no structure here. But welcome, and I hope you enjoy. Um, for those of you who've been listening for a while, um, you may have noticed that the frequency with which I'm releasing these has, has you know, diminished uh, in frequency as of late. Uh, when I first started the podcast, uh, I was dropping two, three episodes a week. Uh, there was a pretty decent stretch there where it was, you know, kind of like clockwork, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, in the past few weeks, I've kind of dialed it down to, you know, a couple a week or one a week. Um, couple of ra- couple reasons for that. One is that, um, you start a new thing, you go all in, you get real excited. I, you know, and this is no exception. I recorded a whole mess of episodes. There were points in time where every day driving to or from work, I would be recording an episode. Um, you know, that's just not sustainable <laughs> is, is the reality there. But when I did have that kind of energy and things to talk about, I recorded them and kind of hung on to them, uh, you know, sort of as a buffer, sort of to keep in the backlog so that, you know, if there were times where I didn't have something to say, I would have a re- episode, uh, you know, sort of on the back burner that was ready to release. Um, and as of late, I've kind of burned through most of those. I've got a couple spare episodes uh, waiting in the wings to be released, but th- that the volume of those is far less than it once was. Um, so I've kind of toned it back a little bit. Uh, the other key piece is that um, prior to podcasting, um, the way I typically would spend my commutes um, was listening to music and or listening to audiobooks or podcasts. Um, and clearly, if you're recording your own podcast while you're driving to and from work. You can't also be listening to an audiobook. I mean, I guess I could, but that seems awkward for you, the listeners, and probably is breaking some sort of copyright laws. Um, so I kind of dialed back the, the, the audiobooks and the other podcasts um, while I was in my I will podcast every day frenzy. Um, and then some, you know, good audiobooks came in from the library, and I'm like, okay, okay cool, I'm going to listen to these. Um, so I kind of took a break. Um, I'm currently re see, I've read these books as physical books in the past and I'm now listening to them as audio books. So it's not really rereading cause I'm not actually reading them. It's not really re-listening to them cause I've not listened to them previously, but whatever you want to call that listening to a book that you've previously read. Um, that's what I'm doing, uh, for the Thrawn trilogy. Um, for those of you who may not be familiar, um, it is a trilogy of books, 
uh, in the Star Wars universe, uh, written by Timothy Zahn, um, heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, and shoot, what's the name of the third one? It's the one I'm currently reading. Um, thank you people who may be screaming at your phones trying to give me the answer, but I can't actually hear you. Um, Heir of the Empire, Dark Force Rising, and The Last Command is what that one is. Um, and they are good in and unique in the sense that uh, they were written in the early 90s. Um, I want to say 92 or 93, but I could be off by a year or two there, and I'm not going to look it up because, again, I'm driving. Um, that are very good books of their own merit. Um, you know, they kind of pick up the adventures of Luke and Han and Leia and Chewbacca, etc., etc. I want to say it's like five years after the Battle of Endor, the you know, after Return of the Jedi. Um, and they're very well written. Um, excellent plot. It's a sp spectacular trilogy. Uh, but they're also noteworthy in that um, prior to them being a part of the world, there really wasn't any other Star Wars stuff out there in, in, from, from a novel perspective. There were some comic books, you know, toys have been around forever, but as far as books go, um, there really wasn't anything out there. Uh, and then Timothy, Timothy Zahn wrote these books, which kind of sparked that fire, and now if you go to a bookstore, there's shelf upon shelf upon shelf of Star Wars novels. Um, and like I said, when they first came out, I was all about it. I was super thirsty for some new Star Wars, and I devoured the shit out of, you know, those books. Um, but that was like 20 years ago. Like, I'm the audio book version I'm listening to is the 20th anniversary edition of the audiobook. Um, but it occurred to me that, you know, it's been a while since I've read those, and hey, if they have those on audio, I'd, I'd like to listen to those. So I got them from the library. They've come in. I've been listening to them. Um, which has impacted my, you know, ability, capacity, willingness, whatever you want to call it, uh, to record podcasts. Um, the other thing I will say about the audiobooks in particular is that um, for any of the Star Wars audiobooks, um, they are excellent productions in that they differ from typical audiobooks uh, in the sense that, you know, your normal audiobook, you have a narrator, they're reading the book to you. Let's face it. Um, a lot of times the, the narrator will, will, you know, sort of do voices when people are speaking in the book, so you can tell who's who and whatever. Um, the Star Wars audiobooks are, take that to the next level, um, in that they have, like, Star Wars music happening at the dramatically appropriate, you know, times, uh, you know, as chapters open and close. They've dubbed in sound effects for, you know, if, if the, the scene is, you know, a, you know, a, a blaster battle, uh, you know, some sort of pitched battle where there's people shooting, the guy's reading and, t and telling the stuff, but in the background you can hear blasters shooting and things exploding and stuff. Um, you know, in the book where it says, you know, Chewbacca the Wookiee is, you know, grunting is whatever, they've dubbed in Wookiee noises. You know, whenever R2 is beeping about something, you know, they're reading 
the text from the book where it says, you know, an R2 chortled a, you know, brief, whatever, whatever. But they also dub in R2 noises that coincide with what, what that is. Um, it's, it's fantastic. The production on there, it's, it's, it's almost less like listening to an audiobook and, and listening to like a radio dramatization type situation. Uh, which again is, is, is pretty rad. I, I enjoy that. Um, I'm pretty sure all of the Star Wars audiobooks are done that way, and it's, 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 it's good stuff. Um, and it's definitely entertaining, and I guess this is what I'll say about the, the Star Wars novelizations, the expanded universe, as it's called. Um, the Zahn trilogy is solid. I stand by that, and will repeat that, because they are very good books. Like, yes, they're Star Wars, they're genre fiction, but they are good on their own. Like, the plot is solid, it's interesting, it's engaging, I really enjoy them. However, the same cannot be said uniformly for all Star Wars novels. I'm not gonna, you know, name names, because frankly I don't remember all the names of all the ones that I've written, nor their authors. Um, but they can be kind of hit or miss in terms of quality. Um... Oftentimes, when I'm looking for audiobooks, um, and I'm getting them, you know, from, you know, Audible, or more often than not, from the library, um, in flipping through for, you know, what's currently available, what, what do I want to listen to, I kind of regard most of the Star Wars novels, um, in the same way that I imagine that you know, my mom in the 80s would consider what Harlequin Romance to read next. It's kind of disposable reading, you know. It, it, it's likely to be enjoyable while you're reading it, but it's not like it's going to be super pithy and very plot-heavy, and it's not going to, you know, make you think too hard. Uh, or, you know, it's, it's kind of like reading an Us magazine. Yeah, there's stuff in there, but it's all filler and nonsense that you can live your life without having. But it's sort of a guilty pleasure kind of a thing. Um, and most of the Star Wars books fall into that category. Um, and I'm a person that enjoys reading, like actually reading words on the page. Um, in addition to listening to audiobooks, um, I would rather spend my actual reading time reading something a little more substantive, if that makes any sense. Um, but an audiobook, I'm just driving to and from work, and there's something, some noises on to entertain me. Give me some Star Wars novels. Um, but again, there are exceptions. The Zon trilogy is solid on its own. Um, again, I'm kind of brain farting on some other specific titles, but there are other Star Wars novels that I found to be, you know, you could take this out of the Star Wars universe, change, you know, the names from Han and Leia and Luke to other random sci-fi names, and this would be just as good. I don't love this just because it's a Star Wars uh, book. Um, there are a lot of Star Wars books, however, that if they weren't Star Wars, I would not be as interested in that. Um, but that's been kind of taking up some of my otherwise my time that would otherwise be used to, to create some podcasts, um, which has made it so, you know, the release schedule's been, uh, 
you know, dampened a bit. Um, and not for nothing, life's been a little busy as of late. Um, and I am now in my, uh, my parking lot, so I'm not even going to begin to go into all that, nor are you likely to be su too super interested into the, uh, the mundane minutiae as to why life's been, uh, particularly interesting as of late. Um, but that is the case, and it's not exactly set, um, set the mood for a lot of, um, high-level positive, um, podcasting type results. So, I am pulling into my slot, and I am going to bid you all a good day. Uh, thanks for joining. I hope my um, ramblings were pleasing to you. And until next time, I hope you have a good one. And that's it.